Awoga, this is a 12th cast. Hello and welcome to Ganymede and Titans Series 11 and 12 Preview Dwarfcast. With just over a week to go until the first of 12 new episodes goes before a live studio audience, we've gathered the entire G&T team together to mark the occasion. I'm Ian Symes and joining me is Jonathan Capps. Hello. John Hoare. Hello there. Tanya Jones. Hello. And the disembodied voice of Daniel Stevenson. Hello. We're also joined by Joe Sharples of the official Red Dwarf fan club because she lives here. Hello. Over the next innumerable minutes, we'll be summarising everything we know about series 11 and 12 and speculating about everything we don't. We'll also be looking at your comments and questions, but first, let's run through some of the most recent revelations. The first one of which is filming has started. Yeah. Oh, hurrah. Oh. But apparently, uh, Craig Charles's favourite to win this year's... <laughs> yeah. Let's get to the real... I'm a celebrity, apparently. <laughs> he's like second favourite to win, <laughs> and he's definitely not going to do it. He's just that good. Yeah. He can do it from long distance. He'll do it over Skype. Mm. <laughs> so yet another misstep by Doug Naylor. <laughs> God, I wish we'd scripted this bit as well. <laughs> <laughs> so they're down in Southampton, aren't they? They are, yes. They, uh, Danny and Robert both tweeted pictures of themselves on Sunday at Pinewood, but then later Danny tweeted that he was staying in a place called the Carey's Manor Hotel, which is in New Forest, uh, which is near Southampton, and I put it into Google Maps and it's 90 miles from Pinewood. So it's location stuff as opposed to studio stuff. Which is... The first big difference between this time last time. Yeah, because there is going to be location. <laughs> there is going to be location. We were speculating in the last preview that four years ha- ago. Yeah, four, four fucking years ago <clears throat> that they could be doing location. Now it's traditionally when they would be doing location, and now it's actually happening. Therefore, it, I don't know. It feels more um, it's definitely pop doesn't it? It's a bit of a trek, isn't it? And it makes me. No, think... this is Red Dwarf. <laughs> You know you said about scripting. Um, I scripted that bit, actually. Um, I'm trying to think where the location shoots have been for previous series. That's what, nice This feels like a further distance than they usually go to. Are there fewer abandoned old big buildings than there were in the 80s and 90s? Genuinely. Because <laughs> they've been gentrified. They're all gentrified, they're all flat, or yeah. just not there anymore. Um... Assuming, of course, and that no one's the touched Southampton for years. <laughs> shit all, so oh, Christ. <laughs> I mean, bearing in mind that in backwards we were going to, uh, you know, Manchester High Street, yeah, and uh, you know, Lone Park some Woods, uh, and then uh, you know, in where, series ten they went as far as the outside bit of Shepperton Studios. <laughs> yeah, in Meltdown they went to the the is it the old house yeah. in Shepperton? So I'm not saying it's the furthest I've ever been. I'm. Sh- I mean, I, I'm not. It, 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 you're it right, feels though, like it's generally further. Than yeah. Them. Like in series six, it's they were doing backyard. a location shooting. Yeah. You know, fairly near again. It's not backyard stuff particularly. No. Like, where, where's Sudbury um, Power Station? That's <laughs> Shepparton, isn't it? Near Shepparton. Near yeah, Shepparton. So that, that side. Yeah, I think you've probably got something there. I mean, I'm apart from the that. fact that <laughs> they went, got it, you've got it. They now. went to India for series ten. So other than that, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a good point. So yeah, this uh, could be for any particular episode. Obviously, the mm. first episode of series eleven is going to be the first to be recorded. We would assume. Well, not yeah. necessarily thinking about it, they could record out of order. At least we've got the luxury of our assumptions are a little bit more grounded this time because series ten, we we know series ten was recorded in order, yeah, broadcast in order. So if we're going to assume about that, then at least we've got some sort of precedent to go on. Now, actually, is Series 10 the first series of Red Dwarf that was broadcast in the same order of its recording? That that is the second time I've been asked that question in four days. (laughs) (laughs) I was was talking to um, G&T commenter Stephen R. Fletcher at the weekend, and he asked the same question, and I couldn't answer it. I was trying to remember your actual article. Yeah, I know, but that was a very long time (laughs) ago. It was a very long time ago. Fairly certain it is. Surely that's to do with the time, the the sort of short time scale they had between they had to do it. Well, mind you, no, the broadcast order doesn't 
didn't need to be that way but I assume that when Doug wrote the script he wrote them in with an arc involved in fact that was that was the thing wasn't it there was an arc involved yeah. with the whole story so maybe that was what sort of loosely yeah you know, very the idea of doing it in order and, and then obviously that broke but yeah I think what, what we know from series 10 is that there was an intention to have more of an arc uh, the stuff that Doug was talking about in the first DJ coffee lounge cock that they did um and it was originally obviously going to end with episode 5 and 6 being the Kachansky episode so it, I think series 10 was written with a specific order in mind more so than other series may have been and then it all fell apart as Red yeah. Dwarf does in general since series 6 6 before probably 6 well on that cheerful note <laughs> <laughs> this one might be fine. We don't know if it didn't happen before. It, it's worth pointing out, though. Is it, are we going to make the point about the scripts? Because all the scripts now are written. Yeah. Which, all right, that doesn't mean that things can't go wrong in new and original ways, but there is at least yeah. a chance. Weeks in advance of even the first episode being recorded, the 12th episode is written. Though I do wonder how many rewrites are going to happen between now and... Yeah, at least he's working with something. It's to be expected. I mean, rewriting and tweaking at the last minute is, to me, what Doug Naylor does when he's on form. Or, like, that's what he he, he and Rob did all the time and when they're at the top of their game. So that feels like a positive part of his process. Actually writing a whole script probably in a... Christmas break is not his optimal place. There's still plenty of time for some company to fuck him over <laughs> and to be able to write about being on their hotline for hours on end. It's true. So, it's true. You know. So, okay, so we're, we're still on locations. Yeah, well, if nothing else, we may not know exactly where they're filming at the moment, but we do know the address of their hotel, so we can... <laughs> yeah, send, we could always just ask. We can send people down. <laughs> I mean, are we, to, are we to assume, like, I mean... Well, Richard Naylor tweeted or uh, Instagrammed or one of the two some location mm. scouting pictures a few weeks ago. At the inside of an old abandoned <clears throat> factory yes. type place. Mm. Yeah. So, kind of. Pipes and stuff everywhere. Inside of Red Dwarf, sort of. Uh, sort mm. of. A yeah. thing. Or space or station. Or space station. Or any spaceship, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. That's the type of locations that he always used to go to, some big compact yeah. type places. Yeah, it, it it just feels like the process of a proper not that ten wasn't a proper series, but it was um, it was still it was almost like back to earth come again, but in a different format. In that it was approving, it was it had to prove something. It, mm. it was just doing something new. This feels like more. It's settled, fairly confident. Yeah, you know, going all over the place for locations before they've started shooting. It just feels like, you know, the process that it, as it used to be. Yeah. And I don't know what that means, whether that's a good or a bad thing, but I, I like it. Yeah, it's, it's more settling. <laughs> that's what happens yeah. when Alan Partridge gets involved, presumably. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, so the two photos, um, there was one, there was lots of red piping... What could so it like mean? stone floors and things like that. That looks very much that like looks, that could be part of Red Dwarf. That looks yeah. Red Dwarf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the other one. Did they steal bits of that for the set. There's just like a tunnel. Uh, dark. Yeah, it's like a sewer, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Looks a bit like the prisoner cycle sequence, actually. It also looks like the sewer in um, uh, Flatline. Labyrinth. <laughs> Labyrinth. But then the sewer's a sewer's a sewer. But yeah. sewer's a sewer's a sewer. Uh, speaking of visual things that don't really work in a audio format, uh, we have a new logo. <laughs> we do. Discuss the new logo. I think it's shit. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't think it's shit. Um, I just think it's a nice idea that that doesn't quite work because it just looks a bit cramped and ew and I'm kind of I'm annoyed that I don't like it very much because I really want to like it and I really like the idea of bringing back the 3 and Series 3 and 4 logo but I don't really like the current implementation although as I said on 
on GNT, I wouldn't be surprised if it actually changes a bit between now and broadcast anyway. I mean, comparing, yeah. you know, a, a logo released in pre-production before yeah. a single frame has been shot. Especially with Red Dwarf, because there was precedent. There was that really nice logo that I believe is the basis for the current fan club logo. Is that right, Danny? The one that has got a slight kind of a slight shine to it, but then the actual logo that yeah. was back to Earth was a fucking embossed thing it's, it's weird because they never used that logo for anything no, other than web for promotional material that's all they ever used it for yeah and it was just such a shame because we saw that logo it was like oh that's a nice little that's a nice modernization yeah. of something we're used to and i think now it, it, it seems weird now but i think if i'm looking at the new logo there is a current trend of there is no logos about really that have uh, serif font anymore everything is sans serif it seems to be a style sheet thing you know it's like a current mm. trend of people not having serifs in their logos anymore Google have done it recently I, I can't think of many other examples but like you know like obvious things you know um, they lend but, to cleaner cleaner lines bolder colours it yeah, complements that sort of thing which seems to I mean, be it's a very distressed red colour that you've gone back to as well <laughs> which is kind of strange it looks very um like a photocopy of a logo, do you know what I mean? It's like everything's kind of um, oh. muted. What it's, I, um, it's a very interesting way to go, to put it that way. What so I, to go back is but I don't know if it's necessarily the right, whether they should have, but I don't know how you'd modernise it any other way without people immediately going, I don't like it, rather than giving something that people are comfortable with. I'll tell you what I would have done and what I think might be a mistake and I also think might change between now and broadcast I don't think they necessarily needed to bring back the purple rim that's what I was going to mention it. now is that, that that's really going all in with the, like it's not just yeah. let's use the same font it's, a, it's literally the, the logo obviously redone yeah. I would be willing to bet that will disappear and won't be in the actual it will come and, sequence come and I, I, don't, I would quite like it to I think from it just at first glance uh, the first, very first time I saw it, I thought, "Oh yeah, brilliant!" And that was mostly because I think the 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 ring around it was a part of that mm -hmm. because it invokes a certain something. Mm -hmm. That's the thing, isn't it? That you've if you're bringing back that logo, you are bringing, you're deliberately saying, <laughs> at least at this point in the production. So we're looking for the series three and four vibe. We're not saying we're looking yeah. for bold classic dwarf. <laughs> In terms of you're actually identifying a very particular era yeah. of eighty nine to ninety one, that's surely deliberate. Yeah, incredibly specific as well. Yeah. Like it was the. Um, I don't even know if there there wasn't a logo before then. No, no. It wasn't, this no. is the first Red Dwarf logo. Um, yeah, it was used on the novels, used on this magazine. Yeah. At the time, most merchandise like, distorted and reshaped yeah. into various <laughs> things. And it is actually interesting looking back at what sitcoms in 1989 have a recognisable logo. And mm. you don't have that many. No. I'm not saying Red Dwarf is the only one, but it's very specifically a merchandise. Yeah. Maybe this has been done because we've already got all the possible merchandise with the Serif logo on it. And so <laughs> yeah, we need to sell Everyone go again. <laughs> Start from the beginning. I think that assumes, sadly, that Red Dwarf merchandise sells. <laughs> Enough. Yeah, well, these days, which is oh, they just put made. some out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, made some. Here's a possibly not very interesting point, but we, we it's never stopped us before. We're we're having two series made at the same time, but they're still two different series. So, in order to drive some sort of distinction between the two, do you think there'll be a different logo for twelve? Maybe, yeah. Maybe no. it will be. It will be a really weird decision, but also one that I I kind of. Yeah, it would be nice. But then what would they do other than go back to Serif? Yeah, that's the only thing I would think of is to go back to the one that they've just stopped using. We'll go back the to the classic Back to Earth one. Yeah. Um, here's a question. Uh, I do get a bit confused by... So this production is Baby Cow involved, correct? Yeah. Is it a co-production between Baby Cow and Grant Naylor yeah. productions? In that case, is the Grant Naylor logo also going to be... The serif <laughs> one at the end. Oh yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And our baby cow are going to have their own cerebral <laughs> version. <laughs> their own the Y and the C together. That would be, be weird, actually. Yeah, let's go on to the real meat of the subject. Is What the hell are the end caps going to be like? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> this is, this is going to presume they have two logos. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what my point is. No, it'll probably it's just the the fact that that the, the, the news piece from Seb actually, you know, this is the Red Dwarf Eleven logo, and it's the first time that the two have been cleaved from each other. Yeah, when being talked about. Um, yeah, because yeah, because it's a, the strange thing of the productions being back to back, but by the time it gets to broadcast, there would have been a year in between. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah, it's true. So maybe less now than average for Red Dwarf in recent years. Yeah, and this is just the first the first step in right let's separate these things out otherwise we're going to be dealing with an amorphous blob with yeah. no identity we need to like yeah, 11 that's separate, what we're talking yeah, about separate DVD for each yeah. I haven't really got my head together on this. I'm really still thinking of one series of 12 episodes currently I'm not really thinking of it in terms of it, it could functionally well, like, it, well, obviously functionally it isn't going to be that but f- thematically it could be like it, it, you know, closer hmm. to that it's well, we'll move on to that a bit later yeah, we've got when one. we get to our viewer comments. So ah, uh, stay tuned for anything. that. Uh, reader comments, whatever. Oh, uh, in terms of Red Dwarf uh, news, uh, other things we've learnt, Howard Goodall is back. Yay! And he revealed in a tweet that he has composed a piece called Quartet of Rimmers. Thank God he still can't keep his mouth shut. Yeah, because <laughs> he did. <laughs> Didn't he reveal that Howard was in... Trojan before. Yeah, yes, it was. It yeah. Um, I'd just like to point out as well, like, obviously, we, I think we've all really listened to the preview, Series 10 preview Dwarfcast we did. There was a very resounding, yeah, Howard Goodall's definitely not going to be back for Series 10 <laughs> yeah. at the time. And he did turn up, and that was on a shoestring. Presumably, this is a little bit more formalised. Yeah, again, well, like, you hope. Yeah. I would like to hear a bit more new stuff. Because there's not actually that much new how to do it. Well, he is, he is on board very early because yeah, that's true. Pre- you know, music could easily be done post production, but he's working on things before things have been shot. It, it, what does did that, he used to do? I was going to say, does that indicate that the music is actually involved in the. Well, scenes? that was another interesting thing about Sorry. the tweet is that he was I, he had a microphone and he was talking about, I'm using this microphone to record Quartet of Rimmers. So is mm-hmm. it going to be a vocal piece? An adaptation mm-hmm. of the Munchkin song. song. I mean, yeah. if, if Howard's going to sing, that's <laughs> the voice that will invoke. So, so um, yeah, maybe there is a song and dance routine called Quartet of Rimmers that <laughs> Howard's laying down the trap that. floor. I, I it would, depends how it's I done. I far prefer that than the return of Dibley's. Yeah, yeah. well, we'll get onto that. <laughs> but, yeah, in terms of the Quartet of Rimmers... Uh, it could that could indeed indicate just looking at the title of the piece that there will be four rimmers. Yes. Uh, we also know that there's an episode where there's going to be four Crichtons. Is that going to be the same episode, or is it going to be a very repetitive plot? <laughs> <laughs> it's a th- it's a it's a theme. Is that the arc? Yeah. That's the arc going through the series. Um, In one episode, they're all toe on Tony. <laughs> Something just occurred to me though. Yes. Um, it might not be all Arnold rimmer. It could be John Howard, Frank, and Arnold. My original thought was yeah. different rimmers, like because it's because of Howard last series, like it, it, you know, Howard again, and maybe Rimmer's dad, even though he's not his dad. Well, like that, a barbershop quartet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some sort of dream sequence. Yeah, um, perhaps. Yeah, but because I, Howard is dead. But the idea of there being four Crichtons and then four Rimmers. Well, like, it could be all one episode where, like, for five minutes at a time, everyone becomes everyone else. Because there is also the possibility yes. that the, 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 uh, they're all posing with Dwayne Dibley teeth. Yeah. It's either just going to be them taking the piss, which is probably more likely. We hope. We hope. But there could be an episode where everyone gets turned into but everyone else. But if we, we've got an episode where ev- everyone gets turned into everyone else at some point... If there was ever going to be an episode where the Dibleys can just about scrape by, it's that yeah. episode because that is just all right. Get get the silly. No, not even just get I, it over. Red, Red Dwarf can be, you know, it means it's not particularly a focus. It means it's almost knowing in a way. It, I, it would feel more knowing and a bit more. 
Yeah. You already, you know, people. Everyone's already going to be crying. Everyone's already going to be rim. Why not have everyone and whatever the fuck Lister equivalent would be? I think what we figured out is that Howard Goodall hasn't given away anything at all. Yeah, yeah. it's very. It's, very <laughs> it's either it's either a big reunion of the Rimmer family, the sung and dance routine, <laughs> or, or, or just everything. Everything we do. I would I would pretty much be willing to put all the money in my pocket on it being as part of this. Oh, it could this be um, episode. could be a parody of the knowing me, knowing you video. <laughs> How much money is in your pocket, Cups? Um, this is great radio. <laughs> oh, this is brilliant. Tension. Uh, nine pence. <laughs> in 1972, you would be rich. Yeah, exactly. And everyone would look at those coins and say, what the fuck are you trying to pull? <laughs> um, yeah. I really feel like I should have found this out before we start recording, but... Like, historically, how early was the music done, and was it ever this early? Like, because you're right, Howard scored Red Dwarf. He didn't, you know, um, to score in it. In the early series, he was told... In the early series, he was basically just told to write stuff, and then they'd use it if they'd it was appropriate. It. But, the, but that doesn't fit with um, this, because he's writing something specific and recording yeah. something Yeah, no, right I mean, with, with Series 10, there's only that one... I think the only bit that he really wrote specifically was the bit when Lister's jumping for the phone and... Um, that's true. But he scored that. Howard dies. That's kind of the only bit that's scored that's yeah, original yeah. for Series 8. So, oh, and, and maybe the bit at the end of the beginning as well. But. Does that lend weight to this particular thing, maybe being in isolation and it being a piece? It being, yeah, it being uh, diegetic yeah, in some way. Yes, good. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that really makes us sound like we're on about. Should we yeah, leave it there? Whilst it's not to be good. Because <laughs> whenever I think about him doing, or thinking about him doing all the music for Red Dwarf now, just makes me think of the models in Series Seven. Yeah, because it is ex- almost exactly the same principle. But no, you, yeah, you'd expect that he'd be writing to best use of his time and best use of the money would be to get him to write specific things for specific scenes, but however that yeah, work, yeah. we're getting how good all stuff. Yeah, and also I can't see any reason why they wouldn't just dip into the old, um, like they did yeah. before the old library, uh, not library music, the, um, the old, suite old cues. of cues that they've got. Yeah, sweet cues. They though. should use some that they haven't used up to this yeah. point. They used some surprising ones actually in 10. Like, they always mm. surprised me when they showed up. Uh, lift music, uh, quite cleaning Crying music. music. But there are there are plenty well. of unused little red dwarfy cues. They should use the DVDs. unused white hole. I'm not music. saying I'm not saying all of them are gold, <laughs> but there are a few yeah. generic cues that weren't used that actually I think yeah familiar but different. But different. Yeah. Uh, other episodes that we might be getting to see from what we've learned it's been quite tight actually there's not been as much revealed yeah. this time round considering there's twice the number of episodes there were uh, this yeah, time last true. time well there was Coffee Lounge Cock last time that was yeah, that well, we did learn a little bit from DJ but he was playing his cards close to his chest possibly because playing his cock close to his chest <laughs> uh, and speaking of cock there'll be an episode that deals with the cat's virginity <laughs> uh, we was... had this at uh, DJ from Doug and also uh, Danny told Digital Spy more recently that that was happening so presumably it's it's made it past the idea it, stage and it, it's happening It's a topic that readers of Digital Spy are very interested in <laughs> well, I hope it's handled sensitively Excuse me Well it'd have to be, it's got spikes on it <laughs> I was about to say, I, you know all I can think of is Rob Grant's yeah. contribution to well, this discussion that's, that's the thing is that the cat's virginity feels like something that's had about three episodes dedicated to it when it hasn't there's a di- identity within which didn't ever exist yeah. Yeah. there was um, Rob Grant addressing the subject backwards in his, his own usual unique, delicacy his own unique <laughs> cock based way <laughs> um, and I swear there was a third thing your dreams every night it may be my dreams every night but still Tumblr <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what are you girls doing in this mostly boys club? <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, no, not moving on. Staying on the same subject. Um, the cat's virginity. The cat's virginity. Uh, Doug also said to DJ that he's considering doing a Kachansky-based episode. Going back to the cat for a minute, is there a reason why we haven't had very many cat-centric episodes? Is it because... Is, is it because it wouldn't... 
because it hasn't there's not worked. much to the character. There's not. It has like I think you'd have to do it based on his race rather than his character. The character, yeah, the cat's race. The cat's race. race. No, <laughs> that's the last thing we need. But we don't. We don't need any more ism. Yeah, because I think the in series ten, it, the character was the best that it's been for a while. But it has devolved mm. over the years to be less. It's just ironic. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, even, I mean, right. as someone who is a noted critic of the writing of Red Dwarf Ten, even I have to admit that Cat in yeah. Red Dwarf Ten was better than he's been. Is that because you think like maybe the the character had slotted back into its old place of of really it's almost a construct of the comedy rather than a character in itself? You know, like. A, yeah, his traits have become less pronounced. Yeah, it's more about him delivering zingers. But yeah, he's good at that. That's true because originally it a lot of the jokes surrounding him were, huh, he's like a cat. He's do he's doing things mm. cat and saying things cats might say. That well runs dry after a series, and rightly so. And so he adapts into more human like. But now he's more like he's. Having said that, he delivers the string game. game. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so yeah, I'd, I'd quite. I would like to see a cat-centric episode still. And I think, yeah, the the latest incarnation of the cat, I think, is in a good position to yeah. carry it. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, why why the hell not see something markedly different from what mm. we've seen before? Even if I suspect it might not work for me. Oh, I don't know. I can't really make that sort of comment, but. Um, yeah, sure, why not? Well, <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, even though it's two series at once, there is there must be a slight feeling from Doug where you look at 12 blank pieces of paper and you've got a bit more leeway maybe to say, right, OK, so what the hell haven't we done yet? So, yeah, yeah. And, got plenty to play and we've with. got plenty of time to play with. There's, there's not... Does it give him a bit more confidence? Like, are we actually going to see series 12 be, like packed with extra confidence because he's maybe setting down ideas now knowing that he well actually no it doesn't really hold because it's just getting filmed straight after 11 anyway but but yeah maybe we're going to see a collection of episodes with a little bit more confidence a little bit more ambition because the timing is it's less cramped yeah I think it's a good point that he's, he's approaching this with seeing all 12 at the same time so he's probably got ideas that he's wanted to do for a while that have occurred to him since the last series and that takes up a few slots yeah. and then there's oh, there's this thread that I want to continue that takes up another slot and then he's still got spare to play with yeah but, and uh, in contrast to the fact that 10 felt like a very compromised series yeah because, because it lost those last two because episodes. it lost those la- last two episodes there's also it kind of had the burden of it did have Howard Bird. It yeah. did have Howard Bird. Trojan, you know, it, it did. It did still need to have that sort of. Let's get the first episode done and build the characters back up and establish mm. the setting. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it, well, really, half the series was fucked. It just so happens that the beginning was, was great. Um, dear Dave is Dear Dave, and I've come to realise half of Entang- Entangled. Um, so not not quite half, um, but yeah. Now it, I don't know. It just I'm not basing this on anything, but it just it, it feels comfortable knowing that they all they all exist. Which actually I didn't think would be the case at this point. Yeah. Well, Andrew confirmed that with a tweet, didn't he? Yeah. Um, He's described them as twelve classic romps. Classic romps. <laughs> <laughs> Says Red Dwarfs Andrew Allen. Yeah. Um, has it been confirmed that they're all single parties, or is there nothing no, at all? But we'll get on to that. Right. Okay. Uh, very soon indeed. Okay. Uh, but first, the uh, yeah, the Kachansky-based episode that Doug said he's mm. considering. Uh, will it be what he had planned for the end of series ten? Do you think? Will it carry over? How much do we know about that? Not much, just that Kachansky was going to return in the last two episodes. Was it? it, it do you think it's fair to assume that it could have been a a co- a, not a conflation, but a conclusion to like the the thread that was running through, like from, from the Trojan thread. Mean, I mean, mm. like would it, uh, because really are those are those scripts possibly now surplus to requirements? Like you know, mm. um, 
But Doug has been adept in recent years of salvaging bits yeah. of old scripts and <laughs> bolting them with new bits or other old scripts. A Kachansky episode is a weird thing anyway when you think about it because yeah. you're making 12 episodes what is Kachansky doing only being in one of them if she's going to be back at all Either it feels like it should be an all or nothing sort of a thing because she was once a a regular a regular yeah, show if, yeah, if she's no longer going to be a regular then she's either going to have to actually yeah. die or yeah, wouldn't be it, written out in some way wouldn't it feel a bit perfunctory to just bring her back to kill her yeah it wouldn't <laughs> It'd be it wouldn't be great as as <laughs> As, as drama tropes go, it would probably yeah. tick off quite a few of the worst so we, ones. Are we saying that, yeah, do we want to fridge Kachansky? Is that what we're saying? And that Red Dwarf Fandor would be very happy with that. And will there be sneakers in the fridge? Ah. <laughs> and where does the cellar cream go? I, I Honestly, I, I'm perfectly happy to never see Kachansky again in any shape or form. I realise this is now... <laughs> An unfashionable opinion, where it used to be, mm. no, not quite so unfashionable. I think, yeah, but I, I would be happy. I don't to think see, I would be happy to see her if I thought there was a decent comic actress that had ever played her, and I don't think there has been, so I'm not interested. That's what it comes down to. I want someone funny mm. to yes. come in and be a funny Kachansky, I, I, and I, if I, there's no one who can come in and be a funny Kachansky, I don't want to see Lister do deep, meaningful shit. With Kachansky, yes. I want someone funny. And and a, ni- a good female character would be nice. Yeah, <laughs> I've had. Yeah, there's always been issues with Kachansky as a character, as because she. I've said this millions of times on Dwarfcast, but the way she's written in <laughs> Infinity is that she's this ideal, unattainable, uh, uh, perfect woman, a perfect person, and that's quite hard to write and to act uh, <laughs> utter mm. perfection. And so the character, whenever she appears, never quite lives up to the idea. And for that reason, I am actually in favour of there being a Kachansky plot, a Kachansky episode, where it's dealt with, and yeah. then it doesn't impinge on everything, like, self-contained, let's have a bit of Kachansky. I find it really hard to believe that she's chosen to just bugger off on her own, because that seems like yeah. a pretty guaranteed way to send yourself insane. <laughs> or to die. Yeah, or to die. Yeah. Here's a question. How would you feel if they recast Kachansky again for a third time and I would, actually cast it properly? I would say that there's no point calling that character Kachansky. Mm. In fact, I'm, I'm actually still not convinced there's much point calling Chloe Annette's character Kachansky because at that point, just, just write another female character. And I know she, maybe a female character without that baggage yeah. of list of the relationship with Lister, would would do wonders. Do you know uh, what? Or I, she no, got I pushed know. out of an airlock. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, or be a vending machine that <laughs> will yeah. be fucked. By <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'd like to see pre come back. Yeah. Pre come. <laughs> I'm not having a good night, am I? Oh, dear. I want to see Rebecca Buxton come back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what else might be coming back. Starbug. Uh, Doug, yeah. <laughs> you are on form. Because Doug said at DJ that uh, while we expect the bunk room and drive room to remain largely the same, that will then free up the resources to build new sets. And yeah. Sets, possibly including Starbug. And we know that the model unit are back on board. Uh, they're they're happily making uh, bazookoids. Yep. Probably um, very happily making bazookoids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Starbug is still their model. Yeah. So yeah. The big fucking series three. Oh, the one they they um, hired it to uh, for series ten. They mm. hired it back to GMP for series ten and refurbed it and everything. To be abused by Dean Thrust. Uh, yes. <laughs> I've, again, I'm bringing up our last preview Dwarfcast, but we were convinced that Starbug was coming back and the Blue Midget probably wouldn't and it ended up that Blue Midget did come back. Yeah. And it feels to me like the decision would possibly made to bring Blue Midget back rather than Starbug. In fact, this might have actually been said because they had to do the cockpit thing on the cheap and in a repurposed way and you can get away with it with Blue Midget but you have to do Starbuck properly yeah so yeah again yeah, it feels we, like this if is if we're getting the Starbuck set how closely will it be based on the Series 6 7 classic one but doesn't this link yeah. back to the reuse of the Series 3 logo mm. yeah yeah Starbuck appears Series 3 logo reused 
be interesting. Are we looking at a Series 3 style yeah. feeling? Like, St- Starbucks heavily used, but there's only a cop- little cockpit set. Presumably, you're not going to have a Series 6 style. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not going to be massive. Yeah. yeah. Um, it seems likely, doesn't it? it? I mean, it just. I mean, they still managed to fit Starbuck in as much as they could um, in 10, even though we didn't see any comments. Yeah, mostly by name. Yeah, mostly by name. Bear in mind that if they're doing more location shooting, that might free up a bit more space for guest sets yeah. to actually be, say, a Starbuck meet so small, smaller rather than an episode to do the set. I mean, that's. Yeah. You've got a bit well, more room to play with. Remember, we are in a different um, stage in a completely different studio, and we have heard that the stage at Pinewood that they'll be using is slightly smaller than what they were using mm. at Shepparton. Mm. So maybe that yeah, no, cancels each other out. I'm no studio yeah. expert, but it seemed to me like they weren't using the that's the full potential of the space at Shepparton. I don't know. We don't know everything that was behind there. Yeah. We couldn't see everything. Like we, we knew that the corridors were behind the Craig Charles visible Rider. sets. <laughs> yeah. She's a lovely girl. <laughs> <laughs> She's a Craig Charles Ryder. <laughs> right then, let's give the public what they want and discuss topics that they have suggested. No. Uh, thanks to everyone who got in touch. Uh, we've picked out one topic per person to keep it fair and so that we finish recording before the first studio date. <laughs> uh, so this one comes from Braids2006. The 2006th of the Noble Braids clan. Uh, do we think there will be a cliffhanger of any sort between 11 and 12? They will be stupid not to. I but really... that doesn't mean that there, that there will be. Yeah, I, I think really if, if, you're, be. if you're doing two series, that's the obvious thing to do. For the only time in Red Dwarf's history where, you're, where one series will finish broadcasting and there is guaranteed to be another series, yeah. it will be a missed opportunity. Finished filming, even. Yeah. Um, because by the time series one finished broadcasting, it was guaranteed. Yeah. You know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Even writing. <laughs> like, yeah. The, from the very earliest point you of You could production. have a cliffhanger and know that it would definitely yeah. be resolved and not have that worry. That, that would be novel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although I suppose, I mean, you start running into. And actually, this is something I've been wondering in terms of the last episode of the series. If your recording dates are that far in, in advance, of broadcast then it starts getting more difficult to control what people what what Red Dwarf fans know I admit actually that's Mm. not maybe that relevant to a general television audience to be fair and so individual episode spoilers are one thing but the fact that a cliffhanger resolution is out there for a a year yeah that's a point (laughs) before but but as I say I mean I brought I know I was the one who brought it up but at the same time I remember when we were going through all the spoilers on Red Dwarf 10 and I was thinking we're worrying about this because GMP have told us to worry about this and we wanted to give a certain level of respect to GMP without giving them all the respect in the world because that's (laughs) not our job. But to a general audience that watches Dave, they're not on Ganymede and Titan reading Ganymede and Titan spoilers and Ganymede and Titan people and Red Dwarf fans are watching it anyway. So mm. does the fact that a cliffhanger resolution is out there on the internet I mean, really affect a general audience? There wouldn't. I mean, I don't think it would ever be up anywhere. I mean, it certainly wouldn't be on GNT because no. But yeah, I think if you leave a, end the series on a cliffhanger, then you'd probably you'd be even a general viewer who's not a hardcore fan would be more likely to Google what happens mm. after True. this. And yeah. it could True. be out there on some It could be deep. Yeah, well, Reddit. Given <laughs> yeah. the fact that the audience for this, for, for these two new series, are going to be so more, much more diverse. Yeah. Because mm. of the random draw. Because of the random draw. Because we know, like, from our group... That hardly anybody no. has got tickets. I know from from Toss forums, from Tumblr, from um, from our forums. Mm. Um, so are there? I mean, it's weird, but are there other community, other red dwarf communities <laughs> that we're yeah. unaware of? Because I just I find it so hard to believe that these people aren't aware of us. Like, if you're a red dwarf fan. 
how are you not how do you not know about the official forum and and things like mm, that to, mm. to be commenting on where do they comment and what do they do and what do they talk about these where things? are they i think where there's a lot of people, people? <laughs> they're probably just on facebook and Twitter and maybe don't make much fun. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. yeah, they follow. Yeah, it's one thing to follow Red Dwarf on Twitter as opposed to actively getting involved. Yeah, in the community. But you're right. I mean, they are like. I mean, last time it's fairly aware. Like everyone, came, you know, you could pretty much identify everyone was from a particular identifiable community, and all those individual communities were very big on. We're not going to spoil it for anyone. Exactly. Like it was all yeah. part of like. Everyone pulling in the same direction. Can we trust these invading bastards? coming up to our gate. <laughs> we're right. We're right. Um, Not in my backyard. <laughs> we're, we're right back to the. Um, you know, for a long time, I was moaning and writing articles about why aren't there more Red Dwarf fan sites and why aren't there more this fan sites and why aren't there more that fan sites and, and I don't do it anymore because, because social media got... is your big answer <laughs> yeah. and also that led to gazpacho soup and no one wants that <laughs> uh, moving on Stephen Fletcher writes via email uh, we've seen a new Crichton mask do you think there'll also be a new Crichton costume as well as new costumes for other characters or will it be the same look from series 10 I really hope there's a new Crichton costume Yeah, that's very black and the mask is brilliant. I'm not racist. The mask is really good. Yeah, it is. I haven't seen the mask picture, I don't think. Am I? I hadn't until about. Yeah. <laughs> terrible, yeah, the terrible mask terrible is, like, is good. The, um, the nose fits better. There's uh, less baggage under the eyes, and the eyes actually meet the yeah. eyelids. This Although time. Rob Llewellyn's arms seem to have been chopped off. Yeah, he has been decapitated, <laughs> that's an issue. Um, Oh, obviously the cat's going to have new stuff. Yeah. Then we, we haven't heard whether Howard Burden's back, but then we wouldn't hear no. particularly. Because we only found out it was back last time because we saw him in the audience. It's not something that they'd announced. Oh, right, well, yeah, yeah. That's true, I forgot yeah. that. <laughs> the thing is, is, I can't see... Like, the Crichton suit, you can always do a new Crichton suit, and they always do do a new Crichton suit because they get fucking wrecked yeah. at the end of every series, don't they? So... Something a bit like, you know, if they're doing carrying on the series three theme, if they had a series three style suit, I would be very happy. Really big circular monitor, but quite a black <laughs> tone. Not a series three mask, though. Not a series three mask <laughs> or voice. <laughs> but that's the thing. Maybe if, yeah, if it is a series three vibe, maybe uh, Rimmer will be in green. Maybe yeah. I mean, that's the only thing they can do hat. with Rimmer really is change the color because they've got his classic tunic. Lester has already got his big leather jacket back. Yeah. I have to say, I didn't have a problem with any of the costumes in series ten. I thought they were good. No, they were. They, they were, were very good. ideal. Yeah, they were good. Um, the only problem I had really is Crichton's mask. Am I right in thinking that Lister's jacket is literally the series three jacket? Uh, it's a previous jacket. I think Howard said that in Wiss. Right. Okay. And it's got Wilma Flintstone on the back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did they license it? It's got elements That's, of... Yeah. I do wonder, now that Red Dwarf is made by a proper production company, <laughs> <laughs> whether that sort of thing... Like, maybe, maybe that needs to... You know, <laughs> maybe because yeah. it's so, so distressed. Like, the image is so distressed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wilma Flintstone is incredibly distressed. Yeah. I think, but they must have all the... Like, if they doing filming and stuff like that they must have all the costumes or at least some of the mm-hmm. costumes sorted so I think it's weird we've not well, it's right yeah. for a reveal somewhere well maybe are we just being a bit entitled that we should I reckon we'll have a cat it is, it is early days we haven't gone into uh, main production yet it's true Ooh. they're still just doing location stuff this time last time round um, it was only with it was only around the dates of the first um, recordings that we started to see as little behind-the-scenes videos that didn't reveal very much, but you saw sort of when did we and, and this time round on Back to Earth, we had the paparazzi taking yeah. shots of Corey, yeah. which is not an official yeah. announcement. <laughs> we had yeah. the back of Craig with his dreadlocks and his jacket as well, uh, Back to Earth. So th- mm. th- there was little costume teasers. Back but when, to camera. When did, when did costume stuff get revealed for 10? I, f- I want to... Say it was fairly well. It's hard to remember really because we saw them at the recordings. Yeah, and so yeah. that's when we found out. But when it was officially out, I can't remember. I don't when. think it was that long after Trojan was recorded. Now, because I don't think it was I think we'll long. get. I think we'll see more as yeah. they go into studio. It'd be nice to get a cast you know shot it, like it next week. Feels it, I do feel 
maybe more so this time around than time around before, that I don't need to see anything at the moment, and I don't necessarily even want to see very much yeah. at the moment, because we've got 12 episodes to come. Some of these episodes are going to be broadcast in 2017. There is a hell of a lot of time yeah. between now and when we're going to see this blow stuff. your load. I, I do I, want to blow my load. I was of wait. <laughs> I'll wait. I was of that opinion until, like, maybe only a few days ago and now I'm starting to get into that I want to de- devour everything sort of a mood which <laughs> um, you're a very hungry man it's probably not going to stop I'm probably going to be as a costing every week accosting someone that went to the recording and just tell me everything. everything yeah I mean I, they've, they've got to be careful about what to release in a way because if you are making two series and some of that stuff is 2017 it's one thing to be previewing a series from you know, the previous mm. year into 2016. It is a whole different thing giving away things in 2015 it's for a show bizarre. that's been going to be in 2017. Is there any precedent for the, something like this? Uh, apart from maybe uh, American shows possibly do this. There was an Alo series where they did 26 episodes in a year and it was part of an American production deal. And right. that was at the point where LOLO episodes were 30 minutes, but they made these 25-minute episodes purely for... Only it's 22 minutes, these But they did 26 episodes in a year, 24 of which were written by um, Croft. Jesus yeah. Christ. And, uh, <laughs> and only two were written by an outside team. Right. Uh, in the old days of Doctor Who, it was common for a serial to be held back from each uh, season to go into the next one. Oh, but okay. They, there was a very, very different time for yes. making TV. Star Trek Voyager did it with um, their first season going into the second season. They kept back a couple of first season episodes mm. for the start of the second season. But, yeah, filming two entire series back-to-back, for a, especially for a sitcom... It's unusual, is very to say unusual. the least. And on that topic, Pete Part 3 asks, in light of the fact that Red Dwarf is about to embark on its longest shoot... It's a bit of a long question, this. And that each recent series has been a reaction of sorts to perceived faults of the previous one. Skip to the end. Do you think it's wise, irrespective of budget slash schedules, for series Mm. 12 to be in production before series 11 has even aired? I think he's overstating how much each series reacts to previous ones. Yeah. And also, something to bear in mind is that when it has, it's not always been for the best. No. Uh, Because the the biggest case... Uh, where that applies, I think, is between series seven and eight, where it was uh, okay. Series seven wasn't mm-hmm. that well received. Let's take it back to its roots. Let's bring everyone back. Let's bring yeah. Let's make it gag, gag, gag again and lose all the plot elements. And we don't want that. And I, I honestly do feel does feel to me like when I mean you know we don't know, but I just feel that maybe once all these have been released and when we've watched them, will this feel like two six part series? Or will we look at it and go, well, that was for marketing. This is one 12-part series. Mm. And it feels to me like we're more likely to look at this as one 12-part series split into two it's for just, marketing and promotion. Just little and things like, I mean, Red, Red Dwarf, every series has had a distinct feeling and look for mm. loads and loads of different reasons. But a lot of that is down to just the technicalities of production, of the types of camera they use for each series the type the lighting setup is mm. is different like really small things that all add up like series 5 is quite dark series 4 is quite bright 3 looks like arse because it's on a dying studio filmed in a dying studio but they were pushing it to its limits so it's impressive like they've all got their individual and 11 and 12 aren't going to have that they're, they're all going to well, be an identical kit identical setup maybe it's the, that kind of thing will be done in the branding like we were saying maybe yeah. we'll have a different logo maybe you know, different title sequence yeah. presumably they'll Just, still have yeah, distinct title sequences you'd have thought yeah that's, that's very true comprised of yeah. any clips from those six episodes but, I mean thinking about series that were in any way reacting to the one that went previously I think the the closest analogy that 11 and 12 has is series 1 and 2 yes that's true because there was reactions in 2 to how things went in 1 but there wasn't time to make a lot of them so it was basically yellow bananas and blue lighting and some more colour in the sets and obviously extra money for for um, location and the gap between those two series was so short that I think it's probably comparable that if Doug wanted to make any improvements based on 11 
there is enough time over Christmas to make little subtle changes between the two. I don't know. Although, bear in mind that, um, remember the first lot of recording dates for Series 1 were cancelled because of the electrician strike, and when they all came back afterwards, what they wrote was me squared. And there is a bigger leap, arguably, mm, between yeah. the first five episodes of Series 1 and Me Squared, and Me Squared... And s- Actually, no, maybe I, I wouldn't quite go that far. I would argue there is as big a leap between yeah. the first five episodes and Me Squared as there is with Me Squared and Series 2. Yeah. I think that's true. I mean, that's true, actually. That's on a writing level. So obviously, obviously all that's done and dusted now. But even then, you know, Doug is a last-minute rewriter and tweaker and I, I I think there's there's room for him to adapt and he's a perfectionist as well so I, I don't think it's going to be particularly detrimental series 12 is not going to suffer because it's been filmed straight after series no. 11 it is going to be what it is well I mean what's what I would also say is television is at its most um, economical when it's made in bulk hence why you get 80 episodes of Holmes Under the Hammer <laughs> yeah. rather than 6 which might be preferable. <laughs> um, actually, I like Hunter the Hammer, what am I saying? But that's not the point. The point is... Um, what do you say? Argue- <laughs> I actually, it's a good show. But anyway, it just doesn't deserve to be an hour, but I'll get into that on my Hunter to the Hammer podcast that's <laughs> coming next year. But what I'm trying to say is, because they're making 12 episodes and they can spread the cost across the 12, and also the scripts are written beforehand this has the potential to be a very good looking series and a very well produced series Mm. because you're spreading the cost over 12 and you can hopefully the production value will be higher also making some assumptions based on the We're Smeg documentary um, it seems to me that all the episodes being in at least first draft state we can assume now means that Doug Naylor can do more things that a director's supposed to do yeah. leading up to filming of a series yeah. that I would assume maybe was compromised a little bit because of the writing situation of the last series so and he, and he showed like there was a lot of there's still a lot of confidence in his directing and the little bits of flair here and there that yeah. given here some more there. room given some more room could really here and there. there is also an incredible lack of confidence in his directing in that he shoots everything as wide as possible at a huge resolution in order to make the decisions in the edit. Yeah. Okay, well, there's a there's something. Red cameras. I mean, we've got nothing to base it on, but... We have no clue what's happening with that, do we? We, we, assume, yeah. we assume. We assume, but... But it's not necessarily ha- the case. Okay, so it's been six years since Back to Earth. How oh, many? Yeah. How many TV <laughs> series since then... Have adopted the brilliant red cameras <laughs> for their workflow. Not much for TV. No. No. Why is that? Do we think? Well, is as it... I recall, there's a lot of with the red cameras. There's a lot of. Um, the, the... Uh, there's a lot of it, the workflow for red cameras is not an easy one. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> from this point on, the uh, readers' topics get a little philosophical. Uh, Brandon Rauch Mitchell on Twitter uh, do you think had Dwarf done one series a year from 1988 that we would still be getting Red Dwarf in 2016 or have the breaks helped yeah, we would not be getting no. Red Dwarf <laughs> and I don't think we'd want it <laughs> at this stage it would be if it was still here it wouldn't be Red Dwarf but that's the moot point because it wouldn't still be here it would be like the Simpsons, wouldn't it? Really? It'll last of the summer wine. It would be or the last of the summer wine, yeah. Running once a year. I, they but probably would have changed the cast. It by would. Now. Yeah. It would have needed success. Craig would never have done Robot Wars. It would have needed success on a scale far greater than Red Dwarf has ever achieved. <laughs> Similarly, I mean, yeah. yeah, Red Dwarf Eight got seven million at the premiere. You know, for, for a series just to happen every single year, it would have needed to be huge, oh, huger see, than it's not, ever been. I'm not. Well, it's, I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, it's that sort of un, my, unquestioning loyalty from a broadcaster. Do you know what? Then, no, I think I get the feeling that because when Red Dwarf, when Red Dwarf had its yearly gaps, I don't think that was a BBC decision. I think that was a when can Grant Naylor write the next lot? Oh, that's true, but I mean, that's still in the early, and I, yeah, early and I, numbers of and, series. And, still, you know, relatively. it was the legal troubles with Craig Charles, Setra and Rob, Rob and Doug splitting up that caused the big break between Series 6 and Series 7. If you've got 
increasing audience figures every single year. I reckon the BBC would have said, we'll have a series every year, thank you. I think they would have done it. I just think it's the practicalities of getting the series made every year that's the problem. I, I think maybe the biggest way that big gaps have helped Red Dwarf, especially in its tr- transition from BBC to Dave, is that having a huge gap each year, incrementally, expectations for what a new series could be get lower and lower from the fans. So if Red Dwarf kept being made for the BBC, there would be a ramping up in in everything, including cost, presumably, because you, you, you're building and building. But, oh, we've had a nine-year gap. It's going to be back on Dave. We haven't really got a lot of money. We're cobbling this together. Go with it. And so expectations are, mm. are lower. Did. And you... so the, the cost of Red Dwarf has been kept under control by not existing for a while. That, that's <laughs> true. And I, I would absolutely love to look at the um, budget sheets um, yeah. of well, Easter as a Red Dwarf. And I can't. <laughs> but I, I am absolutely closest... willing to bet that in real terms, Red Dwarf 10 costs less than Red Dwarf 1. Uh, it, yeah. It's interesting because when it comes to budget, we know. I think in the main two bits of information one from Doug in the script book that says that series 8 costs the same as Dinner Ladies which is a healthy budget it turns out because Dinner Ladies was shot <laughs> twice and what Mike, uh, what Pete Tyler said in that GT interview probably about 12 years ago now mm. um, where he said that year on year mm. from series 1 to 6 they basically had exactly the same budget yeah and just got better at spending it yeah yeah it rose with inflation so, yeah it rose with inflation but so then <clears throat> Plus, if you've already got stuff like yeah, now well, we've got the bazookoid mould. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're back to the sets. And we've Red got Dwarf the sets. Term. We've got costumes if they need them. They've got props still if they need them, yeah. as well as the new ones. But there's always that balance between <clears throat> yeah, we've got we've got this kind of kit of parts almost, but they are going to want to make this feel distinct. And I, I think obviously you, they, you wouldn't want too much from from ten to come over because you know Red Dwarf's always had something tweaked about it 11 and 12 are allowed to look the same that makes production sense but yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got a, another a very philosophical question from Dollar Pound who says what is the essence of the show Jesus. if the whole show was just one ultimate joke or idea what would it be and that's well, easy to answer the answer is uh, <laughs> it depends on whether you find the words smeg funny <laughs> so uh, moving on Taiwan Tony uh, <laughs> is probably not the real Taiwan Tony says what could be worse than the character Taiwan Tony is there anything Doug could write that would actually stop everyone from watching so I think what they, uh, what, they need, <laughs> what they need to do is have an episode where all the characters um, become cats and then you've got lots of blacking up. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I think John's won. <laughs> yeah. I I, I've got loads of answers, but none of them that I can really say. <laughs> if we answer it in terms of quality, I don't think anything would stop the people in this room no. from watching it, even, no. no matter how much you were disliking it, and no matter how much rhetoric involving golf you you come up with <laughs> I, I, I still maintain that the golf coverage was better made we're going to have an ultra rare homes under the hammer banner <laughs> um, yeah no you're right there's nothing I mean if Doug started getting really like disgustingly offensive I'd probably want to watch the show more <laughs> because because it'd be more fun to talk it's interesting about. what I want from Red Dwarf now and it's kind of sad is I want it to be I want it to be interesting. I want it to interest me, and it can still do that while it's shit. Yeah, I, want, I just or want if it to exist. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> I've got beyond the phase of ever caring about what the general public think about Red yeah. Dwarf and um, whether it's good or bad. I'm just grateful that it exists because it means that we get to have fun. We keep, yeah, we get to talk so, to. As our soon as they stop it. making Red Dwarf, we're all going to just have to go our separate ways yeah, and, that's uh, it. And, and never talk to each other again. So you know, we want to keep this this going. I mean, on one level, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on, on most levels. Well, this is the thing that I'd say that you got the main reason why I'm in Red Dwarf fandom now is because my friends are in Red Dwarf fandom, and you are not. And who are they? And those are, um, well, there is a Homes under the the Hammer fandom that I could go and... um, But the point is, I sometimes feel that I would have been better off watching... Because I always would have watched Red Dwarf 10, but I feel sometimes like I might have been better watching it from outside fandom without the ludicrous expectations Mm. and the geeing up. Um, And I might have enjoyed certain parts of it better 
but that's the weird thing where people you get this a lot of time in Doctor Who fandom where people say why are you still watching a show if you hate it it's like because fandom is not just the show yeah it's yeah. the people and it's more than the show like, like you said like if you watched it from outside fandom presumably you mean uh, yeah, you, you, you wouldn't have not thought about Red Dwarf for, and it's just like it would, it would be, be more readily you think when you were a kid yeah, exactly. or that you catch on repeat every now and yeah well, I think that that's an excellent uh, indication that we should finish. Yeah, I think so. Uh, just, just shut the site down. Okay. I'm do it now. Bye, everyone. Uh, but no, uh, we've just got a bit of housekeeping before we go. Uh, firstly, we'll be dusting off and updating our spoiler policy within the next few days, uh, but it will basically be the same as last time, which is don't post anything that Doug wouldn't want you to post and don't be a cock. Uh, this will be returned to the site as part of a very, very minor redesign, which is by far the most exciting Red Dwarf-related thing to happen this year. And finally, allegations that G&T is part of an all-powerful fandom-dominating clique that gets preferential treatment from Grant Nader Productions, Baby Cow and or Lost in TV have unfortunately turned out to be bollocks and thus we are unable to provide set reports for absolutely every episode this time around. Therefore, we're looking for lucky ticket holders who might be able to help us out. We're not expecting people to write full articles for us, unless of course you want to, but if you'd be willing to answer a few questions so that we can chronicle the production process, do get in touch. You can do that by emailing admin at ganymede.tv, tweeting us at Ganymede and Titan, or just leaving a comment on G&T. Uh, one way or another, we'll be covering the next few months of recordings as best we can, so please do stick with www.ganymede.tv for all the latest if you want to. There ain't no place in the whole of cyberspace. But until next time, from Capsi, John, Tanya, Danny, Joe, and me, Ian, Ed bye, everybody. Ed bye. Ed bye. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye. Thank you.